Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and it's been the first week of Chicago Bears training camp, I would say, in its early iteration of it. Joining with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, I don't know if you can tell in my voice, but it's pretty early. Uh, I can't remember the last time I actually had a podcast recording with you drinking coffee, because usually we do record in the evenings, but how have you been? How's the Brady Bunch? And... Just curious of what's been new over this last oh, about week, week. Oh yeah, just about a week. Yeah, so it has been a while since we recorded in the morning. It's a different setting, but again, exciting. We're talking Bears football, but in terms of things that are new, hopefully. And look, I'm gonna jinx myself right now, Will, but I try to get the right equipment to make the internet work better. The popping hopefully go away in the microphone. A lot of things have, I guess, changed there. So hopefully that transpires in this podcast but and Brady um like we were just talking earlier he really loves to chew on my Nike slides so if you ever have old slides that you don't want Brady my puppy will love them well there we go donate those to Nicholas Moriano but Nick do you remember (laughs) yet the last time we did record this early in the morning no I I have no idea maybe like sometime in training camp but I but I don't know this early because training camp would be over around what around noonish. We would probably mm-hmm. record after those days. But this early, oh, was it sometime in um, Indianapolis? Maybe mm. or no? No, you're, you're, I thought no, you were going to have it. Too. 2018, the morning after the Hall of Fame game. You, me, and Brandon in the hotel room. Ed will. Well, was he there for the Hall of Fame Eagles, game? Right? I thought he came I, later, and it was only for the Erlacher and Strineman. No, oh, maybe. maybe that's what. Or I, I don't even remember. But yes, I do remember doing that. We were all like out our beds. We had our, you know, microphones hooked up, recording, and in, in the hotel room. That was a that was a good time. We're all funny. a little hungover. I mean, it was a pretty good time. All right, but. Wow. Obviously, we have uh, some training camp stuff to talk about. Without any access inside, uh, we're here resharing what we've heard, what we've seen uh, throughout all the reporting, uh, what the Bears have been able to provide as well. Just because we know you listening at home, most of you depend on us to get some of this news, some of this knowledge. We want to make sure that you don't miss anything as we kind of go through what I called in the last podcast a very dark type of training camp where we're going to be a lot more behind the shadows than 
in years past, but Nick, so far your internet seems to be working well, fingers crossed. I know we've gone through a few extra headaches over the last day and a half to try to get those ironed out. We were supposed to record yesterday evening, didn't work out, but I think we're okay to go. So you want to kind of begin the show? Let's do it. All right. So I think we should start with the most important item here, and it's the most recent, at least for us here, and that's going to be Mitchell Trubisky, as well as Nick Foles, uh, speaking with the media here for the first time uh, at Hallis Hall to kind of kick off training camp. And let's start with Mitch, just because he spoke first. And I think the biggest takeaway is that he says that he just wants to prove every day that he is the number one guy for this team. And on top of that, that he just has all the motivation in the world to prove the doubters wrong. It kind of, I think he said it lights a fire under him to kind of hear some of this negativity, some of the doubters that he's incapable of becoming the franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Nick, obviously, I think that's what I expected Mitch to say coming in. You know, if he came in with a lesser mindset than that, I would have had that probably as a red flag. How about you? Anything you want to mention about Mitchell Trubisky and his mindset heading into camp? It seems like it's where it should be. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there, Will, just being that he wants to take advantage of each practice, each day, and kind of prove, like you said, his doubters wrong that are writing him off. That's, I think, one of the reporters asked him, there are guys that are writing you off. How does that kind of impact you? And that was his response, and I think that's a very predictable one, right? You want to be motivated and want to prove these people wrong. But, yeah, I think the mindset has, I think the mindset's always really been there for Mitch, and we're seeing that. He's saying all the right things. He usually does. But, yeah, I think that's exactly how you have to have the kind of mindset like this, especially when Nick Foles is in the building now. He's Mm -hmm. been in the building for three days, so you have to have this mindset to want to take advantage of every day, every rep, every practice to kind of prove to the coaches that he still can be the number one guy for this team. Yeah. No, you're exactly right, Nick. Nick Moriano. Every time I say Nick, I think about Nick Foles now. I get a little (laughs) confused in my own head, which – That could be troublesome this season for the podcast. But the other big item that Mitch talked about that people have been discussing over the last, I was going to say day, but it's only been like 12, 15 hours. But it's that Mitch has worked on his mechanics a little bit. And he mentioned this is the first time he's actually changed his overall mechanics in the pocket, his throwing motion, and the first time in his career, which is interesting to me because you would think you would have had to adjust it. It's never been great. We've talked about that ever since the Bears drafted him in 2017, that that's something he needs to work on. So I guess it makes sense that if it was still so poor in the past, that's probably why, if he hasn't really worked on it. But are you as confused as I am by that? Because you would have thought he would have worked on it in the past. But as the same token, if it is the first time and he's actually worked hard at it, I am a little excited to see what results it could yield. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that that hasn't been maybe touched down in the past. I felt like I've read reports, though, that they, you know, someone's been working with his mechanics because obviously they have been issues. The footwork's been issues. And if Dave Ragone, who's, you know, was been with Mitch for the entire Bears career, hasn't really looked at that, and now it takes an outside quarterback coach to kind of fix those or adjust those, those mechanics, that's a little strange. But... Look, I think the more positive thing here is that it is happening. He is adjusting his um, his arm throw, his ankles, how he's holding the ball, releasing the football, just working on the balance in the pocket, he was also saying. So, yes, those are positive. It's good that he's working on those things, and we want to see how that actually you know, relates and translates to the football field. But it's just interesting in itself that it wasn't touched on 
maybe earlier. But again, maybe Mitch, maybe he just forgot that he may have worked on something like a little tweak because it's not that big of an issue for him. Because even when he answered the question, it's like, oh, I don't want to get into like the in-depths about it. He just kind of, those were the things he said that were adjusted. But it is interesting in itself. For sure. And then the good news is it really hit on a lot of the items during the last episode that we had, the countdown to camp for the quarterback preview, that we wanted him to work on. So obviously I think he's saying the right things. He's putting in the work. And speaking of putting in the work, I, you did hear, at least from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, about the trainers, the strength and conditioning coaches that the Bears have. And they just kind of came over to the front office for the Bears and just like expressing how impressed they were to work with Mitch uh, and that's the work that Mitch put in this offseason. Like, you can tell that he's been training hard. Uh, you and I were talking about the photos that the Bears release of some of their walkthroughs. And Mitch looks like a little bit more tapered, a little bit more lean. And I'm excited. I mean, obviously, he's putting in the mental work to be a leader still. He's putting in the the extra grind work when it comes to changing those body habits with the mechanics. And, of course, with that shoulder coming off that injury, in fact, he's able to continue to train his whole body this offseason to get himself in probably the best shape that I've seen him at this point of the year. All those things are really positive for him as we kind of kick off this quarterback competition. Uh, were you as excited as I'm sure a lot of Bears fans were about hearing about Mitch's work ethics, seeing some of, uh, well, I can say seeing the photos of the, of the trimmed out Mitch, but I don't want to go too far here. Yeah, you know what? I, honestly, I mean, my takeaway seeing that photo, I mean, Mitch looked good. He did. He looked, like you said, a little bit slimmer, looked like he was just solid. And he credited a lot of the 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 work they did in the offseason to Spear Training, which is a facility in Vernon Hills, and that's where he's been working out throughout the offseason. He said it was just a safe environment to work in. So he was able to put in that work to kind of change his body, change the mechanics. And you mentioned that shoulder, the rehab that he had to go through. He also said in that Zoom interview yesterday that he feels 100% from that. Again, credit Spirit Training for doing that. But he also said, yeah, just during last season, there was a lot of pain. There was pain that he was just playing through as he was kind of doing this. And he just, yeah, it's unfortunate. That's what the situation was. But he feels 100% now. He looks good. Hopefully, look good, feel good, right, Will? Mm -hmm. So maybe that could, with the mechanics, hopefully improve. Now you have the other quarterback here. Guys are starting to be in camp. They've been also talking, Mitch saying that this is what his, yesterday was his third day doing walkthroughs with the rookies, which I think is, you know, a great seeing that the quarterbacks there are helping out a lot of these guys that didn't have the OTAs. Obviously, a regular training camp are not going to have as many opportunities, practice reps. So that's great. You're seeing Mitch look the part. Now he just has to actually be, you know, the quarterback that we all want him to be. Yeah, and that's, of course, a much tougher task. But, yeah, you hit on it. And a fun fact for people listening, or I guess a spoiler alert, depending how you want to look at it, but coming up, or maybe I should just set the expectation for you. We do have a segment with Mason West, which I know you, I'm sure you've heard his name before. He's had plenty of shout-outs. Uh, he is a physical therapist, and we have a segment that I talked to him earlier this week. And one of the talking points was about Mitch. Uh, about his injury, about his rehab, the impacts this season. But also I did have a question about last season and how wearing a harness, playing with a shoulder with that torn labrum, how that can really affect just overall mechanics because he does have that arm strapped down to his side a little bit more and just how the impact that could have across his whole body, the trickle-down effect. So definitely stay tuned for that because I think you would really find that information insightful. 
But, Nick, is there anything else on Mitchell Trubisky before we move on to Mr. Foles? You know what? I think uh, just the last thing here on Mitchell Trubisky, they, I think it was Patrick Finley, my old professor, asked him, like, obviously there's been discussions about him trying to get away from football. It's always football, football, football with Mitch, but how does he get away? And just three things that he kind of said what he did this past offseason. He said he played a lot of golf, hung out with his girlfriend, and then the times he could and was able to hang out with family and friends. He did that and just kind of enjoyed the moment. And I think, look, he's human just like all of us. And I think as a quarterback, you're always maybe tasked with being the most the hardest worker in the room. But it's nice to see that he was able to kind of get away, and now he's back. And we know that Mitch is a hard worker. But those are just some of the things that Mitch was doing in terms of the offseason to get away from football. That's a great question from Finley because that jogged my memory of, I think it was around the Combine when Matt Nagy was talking about Mitchell Trubisky, and he wanted him to get away. He's like, dude, you're working too hard. You're just too micro-focused on all these things, and you do need that mental break. And so I'm glad that was a really good follow-up to kind of take what we heard earlier this offseason and tie it in now as we kind of kick off training camp. So I'm glad that I missed that one. I didn't have it in my notes, but I'm glad to hear it because he did follow through and listen to Coach, which is also probably wise for him uh, as he's vying for this starting job. But let's go ahead and move on to Nick Foles. I don't think he talked nearly as long, but the biggest news that we got out of Nick Foles is that rumor that kind of circulated earlier this week about him uh, potentially opting out of the season. We do have a, an official opt-out and Eddie Goldman to talk about here in a minute. Um, but Nick Foles, it was rumored that he was going to opt-out this season. He just had a newborn child. But he said there was just no truth to it. Uh, he's never really even spoke about it. The option was never on the table. He wants to be in Chicago. He wants to play football this year. And so, obviously, I don't think we need to you know, hit on a rumor that it was just uh, set in its place, Nick. But were you as glad as I was to at least hear that? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, when you see those kind of things circulating on Twitter, you try to find, well, who's saying this? And then you see that it's just not an, you know, an unverified account. But I'm glad <laughs> that it was just uh, a rumor. That's all it was. There was never a discussion about opting out, like you said, Will. But I think a big part in what Nick Foles kind of touched on is just what the Bears had in place, the facility, mm-hmm. just the game plan that they have, of what they're going to do with this COVID-19 pandemic that we're all dealing with, how they're going to handle that, that played a big part into Nick Foles and his family just feeling comfortable that they're going to be able to, I guess, just manage this situation and make it you know, the best that they can. So I think that played a big part in it. It's really nice that the Bears upgraded their facility, what, last year or two years ago now, or started doing that because it's really helping out this entire situation right now. Yeah, it really is. And we'll talk about the Bears' COVID plan, some of the adjustments that they made here in the show as well, Nick. But yeah, I mean, it's great that they've done it. And for Nick Foles, the fact that the Bears have been able to build a facility, put a plan in place that are making players comfortable, I mean, that's good for this season. But even when you're looking at future free agency classes, like to have such a state-of-the-art facility that you can kind of boast and tout a little bit, it's just going to it's gonna help. It's not going to hurt. Now, of course, is it going to be the end-all be-all for a winning season? No, but you could maybe... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, 
undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Secure a free agent that maybe was on the fence just due to it. I mean, you have to, you have to show them off the perks, so that's always exciting as well. But getting back to Nick Foles, of course, he's in this battle as well, and he mentioned that in order to win it, uh, all he needs to do is just be himself, which, hey, be you, Matt Nagy. I, I caught that one. He's already catching on to coach speak over here. Uh, and just focus on the needs to be uh, really internal. He doesn't need to focus on Mitch. He doesn't need to focus on some of the external factors. He needs to focus on himself and just do, I think he said, the little things right every single day, which from Nick Foles has been around the league as long as he has. That was the professional answer that he had all offseason to kind of think through and prepare for. And uh, that's really all I have on Foles, unless you have some more that you think our listeners would definitely benefit from hearing just in case they did miss his interview. Yeah, so I think, obviously, I mean, the big thing, like you were just mentioning, Will, how to win the competition, and he said, you just focus on not winning it, just being yourself and just kind of doing the little things every single day, and everything will kind of play out in itself. But he also talked about just why um, this fit was good for Chicago. He said there's a lot of similar verbiage between this Bears offense and the Philadelphia offense that he was with uh, just a couple years ago, and I think the big thing too that he kept on saying throughout the interview, and I'm like, man, Nick Foles, I, you know, you could just buy into this guy. It's just he he didn't want to focus on again this competition. It's like just go out there and play ball, and that's something that he reiterated multiple times throughout that Zoom interview. And another thing that I really like from him, obviously, this competition, it's Mitch and Nick Foles for this one starting position. But he said he's not going to keep any secrets. If there's a play that he's run multiple times in the Philly offense that's very similar to this one, he said he's going to help out Mitch. He's going to help out Tyler Bray. They're going to do it interchangeably, and he just wants to do what's best for the team. If that's taking the second team, third team reps, or first team, he's just going to do it to the best of his ability. And also, he also said with this competition, let's say Mitch, or he kind of did a hypothetical, like if one guy makes a big play, he said he can't focus on just trying to match a big play for a big play. If there's a check down, but that's the right play in the in that's the right route or the right read to go into play, he's going to do that. So he's not worried about trying to match quote unquote what the other quarterback is doing. Just again, be himself and not and just play ball. That was the big thing that Nick Foles was talking about and I think that the best thing for Mitch to happen is Nick Foles cuz he's going to get the best out of him. If he takes his job, that so be it. But Mitch is going to be a better quarterback because Nick Foles is in this quarterback competition. I think Nick Foles is just another fire underneath Mitchell Trubisky's rear end right now. Just like he talked about with the motivation for the doubters, Nick Foles is an equally uh, as an equal hmm, offline recordings, Nick. You always let the word space, but uh, he's a <laughs> motivator. Yeah, motivator. Exactly. There we go. Thank you. You're pulling out the dictionary for me, which I needed it. Uh, I got to get a second cup of coffee after this recording. But yeah, it's another motivator for Mitch, which I, anytime you have someone as young as Mitch is, we know the potential. And again, keywords potential that we've seen. This could be a good way to start tapping into it a little bit more and just changing Mitch's mindset, motivating him and getting him a little bit more hungry for success, which I don't think that's even a question about Mitch. I think he's extremely hungry to succeed uh, here in Chicago specifically as well. But is there anything else on the quarterback competition or the quarterbacks in general before we kind of move on to another uh, big topic that we need to hit on uh, that came out this week? 
You know, I think the the only last thing I want to hit on, and this actually came in the Hogan Johns podcast. Um, I one of them asked Ryan Pace like about the quarterback situation, but they were just kind of saying that all three of them, Tyler Bray, Nick Foles, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky, um, they all just know this offense really, really well. And I kind of looked at, you know, when I heard that, like, does Mitch know the offense really, really well? Because obviously that wasn't the case last year, but just helping out the rookies, every single one of them, just explain the nuances of what the particular player should do in a certain situation, the, the nuances of how you should run around, all these things. Um, but it's just great to hear that, again, one, these veterans are actually here at training camp helping out these rookies in that they're trying to just get them acclimated to the NFL game. Yeah, uh, when you're talking about the Hogan Johns podcast and you said one of them asked, you could have just said Adam and no one would have known that you were. True, true, very true. Just wanted, to, just wanted to throw that one out there. You could have just said Adam and you would have been fine. Oh, no, but you make a really good point there as well. And I do think Mitch knows the offense. I think he understands what the concepts are. And But I think the problem is when he's in play and there's pressure in his face and he has to make those quick decisions. That's where I think it falls apart. He get it's kind of like um, a student who's smart and has done all the homework, does the homework well, prepares for the test, but they're just not a good test taker. Like that's that's a thing. And good analogy. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, and hopefully that's something that Mitch can get over this year. But I do think more than likely that's the case. He's just not a good test taker. And in the NFL, it's all you know, about one tests. last thing. Will mm-hmm. too with like Mitch um, with with in his Zoom. Uh, interview he did like he obviously they someone asked him about going back and watching all the tape the coverage and stuff and he says he feels a lot better in terms of diagnosing coverages but he also said that all of his mistakes bad all the bad ones are correctable and I think when you really look at some of the things that Mitch has done wrong just missing a receiver not planting his foot or maybe looking where he should have been I kind of buy into that a little bit because if he just hits the wide open receiver, look, that's a correctable mistake. He maybe read it right, just threw a, a bad ball, or if he's looking one way and really the progression's right there, like these are correctable mistakes if you know exactly what's going on, if you can become a better test taker, like you were just kind of mentioning there, Will. So I thought that was also, we have to see it on the field, but I'm glad that it was brought up that he feels that way right now and then we'll just have to wait and see come come game day obviously no preseason games you can't see it earlier but during the regular season well hopefully that kind of plays out on the field yeah and I was gonna mention NBA because I was watching some of it restart yesterday I'm like there's no defense and I was wondering about the NFL (laughs) like is it gonna be like a pro bowl game as well like are we gonna not have defense and that's what it started feeling like yesterday and I'm curious to see how that's going to translate but for Mitch specifically Nick one final thing and anytime we talk quarterbacks and we didn't talk about quarterbacks for months because of how we did our countdown to camp so maybe why we're harping on it a little bit but just listen to him speak listen to what I'm hearing about him I get more excited about Mitch uh, in terms of like my hope for him like I hope Mitch can turn out to be the guy I hope he can turn it around I hope he can win this quarterback competition and I hope it brings out the best of him like, I think Nick Foles is a good insurance policy. But I think we talked about this in the last episode, too. That, and I think we're just more on defense because we just haven't seen or heard from Mitch in such a long time. And you see the film last year, and it wasn't good. And But just when you hear what he's saying, and you hear the work he's putting in, and you remember that he is our second overall pick, and he's only entering his fourth year in the league, it's 
you just hope you can put the pieces together because if you can, it still it could be a home run for the Bears. There's still that potential. It could happen. And now it's is it likely? It's that's murky. That that's where some of the concern comes in. But I see it's sports. You've seen more out of the ordinary things happen. And if the Bears could hit this home run, still, I mean, Ryan Pace from the speculation of the hot seat or not hot seat. That would make his seat freezing cold. Like, he could be sitting there for all of eternity if he can get the Bears a franchise guy at quarterback. So, anything else? Yeah, think, go, yeah go ahead. Yeah, I think there's just that, that connection, right? I, obviously, when you see the Bears move up to get a quarterback, and it's just seeing that he's just – he's a really good guy. You're, it's easy to root for Mitchell Trubisky. It really is. But we just want to see him have success and – everything he's done in the offseason actually equates to that you, there's no reason why anybody should root against him I don't think anyone is rooting against Mitch maybe he's not maybe if it all plays out he's just not the best option then that's that's the case but I don't think that anyone really wants to root against the guy because he is someone that they moved up for this is someone that they wanted yes you would have liked the other two quarterbacks <laughs> that went you know after him but it's somebody that you can easily get behind hope for the best and just hopefully his, his career just kind of takes a turn here we'll just again like it like i've been saying a couple of times now we'll have to wait and see wait and see we can speculate all we want nick but it's probably not going to help anyone uh, any further on this show so let's move into uh and a big issue and that is the bears nose tackle situation uh, this is twofold uh first it broke that eddie goldman he's opting out of the season just due to covid concerns which you know if he is that concerned i'll admit and i'll just say it right here I'm proud of him to stand by his principles. I'm proud that he was able to take that stand, take a huge pay cut for the season uh, to protect his family. If he felt that's the right thing to do, I mean, that's a really, uh, really just, it's a strong move. It's a confident one, and it's one that just takes a lot of guts to make, as well as, like I said, you have to be very in line with your principles, and you put some other, like, financial or, you know, personal uh, goals aside for the, the greater good of the ones that you care for the most, so... For Eddie Goldman to do that, as much as it really sucks from a defensive standpoint, uh, and for the Bears uh, in the general, uh, I get it, and I'm not going to ever hold it against them. Like, I'm not going to be here in 2021. Like, if we had Eddie Goldman out there, whatever could have happened. I'm not going to ever get to that point. So, Eddie Goldman, you're always going to be in my good graces as well. And then secondarily, John Jenkins, he's on the COVID list right now. And Nick, as you tweeted, doesn't mean he has COVID. He could have just been around someone. Uh, that was tested positive, so the Bears had to be a little bit ultra-cautious. But to lose Eddie Goldman for the season, and now John Jenkins, who's the other nose-tackle type of build, it leaves a really big hole in the middle of this Bears defense. Now, I've seen things about moving Akeem Hicks maybe inside, moving Bilal Nichols maybe inside. Uh, but as it currently stands, do you have concerns about the depth at nose-tackle? Because I remember on our Defensive Line podcast, we were just gushing about how deep that this position is and maybe one of the deepest on the team and that's getting tested real quick. And now it, I don't think I stand by what I said a month ago, just because, I mean, you lose Eddie Goldman, who's your only pure nose tackle. I mean, that changes your entire scheme, which is concerning because of the smaller inside linebackers who do need someone to eat those double teams, block up those a gaps. I just get real concerned real quick, losing Eddie Goldman. And I'm sure the bears can find a way to mitigate the damage but as it sits right now, this is a tough pill to swallow for me, Nick. How about you? Yeah, it's it's definitely tough when you lose your nose and then your backup nose tackle. Nose tackle. So there really isn't 
a true nose tackle on this Bears roster that can go right now. If the season were to start tomorrow, say here we're going to plug it in, the Bears don't really have one. But the good thing about this Bears defense and how they can kind of manage this, I, look, they'll get John Jenkins back at some point. And just to quickly um, talk about a Goldman, completely respect his decision. It seems like a lot of the the heavier kind of players are opting out. That just seems to be the situation with respiratory issues that can happen with COVID-19. It just seems like that's the way that a lot of players are going. I think three defensive linemen, defensive tackles in the NFC North alone have opted out. So that just seems to be the 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 situation at hand. But what the Bears do or what Chuck Pagano did a lot last season, you saw where there were only two defensive linemen on the field at times. And Roy Robertson-Harris actually had more snaps than Eddie Goldman. So, yes, I think it's definitely going to hurt the run game, the run defense, for sure. Not having Eddie Goldman, who is known for that, and really that gets overlooked in his game just because not a lot of people talk about Eddie Goldman. But the Bears kind of play this defense, a lot of nickel packages, where they're taking out that third defensive lineman usually – and going with a Roy Robinson Harris and if healthy in Akeem Hicks. So you could still manage and obviously having a Bilal Nichols to supplement and just put in there as well is going to help. It's not an easy fix, but I think the Bears can work around not having Eddie Goldman. And like I said, John Jenkins should return. Um, we just, again, wait and see what, what's happening there, whether he did actually test positive or he just was around people that test positive. But there are ways to work around it. Their depth is definitely not where we had it, what, a couple weeks ago or whenever we did the defensive line uh, countdown to camp podcast. It definitely hurts, but the Bears can work around it. it you're not going to get better as a defense losing, taking away Eddie Goldman, but there are ways to adjust your game. And that's what everyone's doing. Everyone's adjusting. Where Everyone's going to lose players at some point, I think, with, with COVID-19, but I think the Bears will be okay. They'll still have a very dominant defense. Like I said, the run game's going to take a, a blow. And also just having, if you have to go those sub packages all the time, become a little bit more predictable. If you're going to be, teams play nickel package almost 70% of the time, even more than that. But it would be nice to kind of just go your base 3-4 every now and then and have your best options there. Bears won't have that because Eddie Goldman won't be here. Right. Like you said, there are other options. I do think, and again, we'll find out this season how much worse they are, but I do think the Bears, there's no way you can say they're going to be just as well or fine. They're going to be, for lack of a better term, worse. I'm going to use that term here, but again, it could just be a slight dip in production uh, in terms of their running defense, which again has been so stout over the last two seasons, largely due to Eddie Goldman uh, and his ability to stuff the run get some of that initial penetration to backfield, hold down his point uh, on those blocks, not get pushed around on double teams. Uh, we just have to find a big guy to do it there. And I'm sure we can find... How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services... Getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. One like a John Jenkins to step in and be fine. But again, there's a difference of being fine and being someone better, which is the Eddie Goldman route. But anything else you wanted to hit about the Bears losing their nose? 
You know, the only thing, going back to the Hogan Johns podcast, and one of the Adams asked about Damon Snacks Harrison as being a possible replacement there. They asked Ryan Pace that. Of course, Ryan Pace is not going to give any valuable information, but it seemed like just with his answer that there are options that they are looking at right now. And not just at the defensive tackle position, nose tackle position, but also other positions as well. And they're going to wait and see because obviously a lot they have to cut down. A lot of teams have to make the 80. By, I think that's maybe one other thing that um, we should talk about. But the Bears do plan on tomorrow being down to 80, 80 players. So there will be cuts maybe in the next few hours, maybe, maybe by tomorrow morning, whatever it may be. But it seemed like Pace is adamant about adding – somebody else so look for that transaction to possibly happen maybe after the cutdowns happen but in terms of the nose tackle position yeah the, the bears need people they need bodies there because they just don't have any right now it's quickly how it's not quickly it's crazy how quickly the situation can flip on a dime we were just like so much depth so much and now we're like you lose one guy one guy and you're like ooh, like it has you uh, sweating just a little bit thinking <laughs> about uh, the potential impact which again maybe and this is uh, not ideal but this could be the year or I think it will be a year where you're really going to miss Eddie Goldman and I think fans that maybe overlook that position overlook Eddie Goldman I think that'll change I think the narrative they'll understand the value and the importance that he brings uh, to the table week in and week out uh, Nick, the other bigger news player-wise was uh, Trey Roberson this week, uh, the CFL standout cornerback that the Bears brought in on the biggest contract from the CFL to the NFL since Cameron Wake uh, ended up breaking his foot or injuring his foot. I think it's probably a break, but uh, over the offseason when he was doing some training, um, this got disclosed now, so uh, they released him. He cleared waivers, and now he's on the Bears' non-injury list. So obviously they liked him enough to keep him around. And I know Pace was kind of mentioning, you know, he was someone that we scouted heavily in the CFL that we're really high on and we're excited about. Now he can say that, but we also drafted Jalen Johnson. We also brought in Artie Burns. So I know there, we've had plenty of options. We talked about it all off season. And now I don't think the Trey Roberson injury is going to totally impact the Bears' plans. Uh, we talked about the this a little bit on that cornerback preview show, but it's a little unfortunate because this is one less body to be competing with a Kevin Tolliver, with the Burns, and Jalen Johnson, who's a little bit behind the eight ball because he's just now going through walkthroughs in this defense. Um, are you disappointed as well that Robertson's not going to be a part of this battle at cornerback because we were trying to get you know the best guys, and he could have been uh, better than the Burns. He could have been right on par or better than a Kevin Tolliver, but unfortunately – uh, he's going to be sitting on a you know like a non-injury just kind of pup list. Yeah, I think you have to be a little disappointed because remember when the signing happened, it was the, I think the biggest or the second biggest CFL contract to ever happen, right? So, and a lot of teams were vying to try to get a Trey Roberson, and it's unfortunate that we won't get to see that at least this season. But what that does do, and yes, there is less competition. It does just give more reps to the all the other guys and who are not getting as many reps because of everything going on. So there's positives, there's negatives, and just the Bears wanting to work with Trey Roberson. That's what Pace said. They want to work with him throughout this kind of situation that he's in. I think shows what the Bears kind of think about him and what they want to still see from him, even though they can't do that right now. But I think with Trey Roberson, again, I'm going to say it again. I don't know why I keep doing this. Wait and see, because I think he'll be somebody – that is in the mix of things later on. Obviously, you can't really do much with a broken foot. 
it's unfortunate, but the Bears still have, I think, a, there's still a future for him here. Now, I don't know what the ceiling is with that, but there's still something that Trey Roberson can gain from the Bears organization. Yeah, I believe so as well. Uh, again, how big of a role that is, I don't know. Maybe you're just a primary backup who has a really strong special teams presence. Great, we need guys like that. I mean, every team needs players like that, but unfortunately, we're not going to know, and he could have surprised folks this year. You don't know. He could have been pushing Jalen Johnson, to, you know, just because, I mean, they're both new to the team. They're both new to the defense, but one's been around professional football or one's coming from the collegiate level, which, again, CFL's not the NFL, but it's still, from college, it's a step up. So it's it would be interesting to see, like you said, later on what Trey Robertson, if he can take this setback, overcome it, and still find himself in a firm spot here in uh, the Chicago Bears organization but one final talking point before I want to get to our uh, segment with Mason West here in a little bit. But uh, before we do, I do want to talk about the Bears COVID plan, uh, just because it was something that they took some time to explain to fans what they're doing. They came out with some videos. They've written articles on it. The Bears are trying to let everyone know what they're doing. And I believe it's because, like Pace mentioned, the Bears believe that they have the best setup in the NFL in terms of how they are handling COVID-19. Uh, there's a lot that they're doing. Um, a lot of it, like you mentioned, it comes to the fact that Alice Hall was just renovated. They've added more to it for training camp. And now all of this extra space, you're going to be able to use it to keep people distant, uh, to have you know a huge weight room, be able to split guys into groups, and to split it off in a way where they're going to be able to keep things segmented, keep people away from one another. And the Bears are just taking the NFL's precautions that they've mandated on teams and are taking it to that next level to keep things even more safe, like having players check their temperature twice at home before leaving. I wonder if they have to all use like the same type of thermometer, too. That way it's consistent. Just a thought. I didn't say anything like that, but one brand versus another brand or an electronic versus like an infrared, like you can have so many different types of readings. So you have to think there has to be some consistency there, but... Uh, on top of that, the scanning the temperature thing's pretty cool. Like when you're walking into the door, you have to stand mm-hmm. in front. And by cool, I mean it, it, I don't. It's it's unique. Stay the art. Yeah, it is. It's it's futuristic um, in a way. And uh, on top of that, too, just everyone having to wear like a tracker so they know who you've been around. Uh, so if you've uh, touched points with someone else, then they can kind of watch. I'm going to use the word spread of just touch points, but not spread of COVID. That way people know I'm clear. Uh, just who t- who was with who, and then the kind of the, the branches that it kind of follows from there, which will be real interesting data, but will help them if there's a positive test to know who to quarantine, who to distance, and who to test uh, to make sure they can make sure that people aren't affected earlier. But that's just a couple super high-level items. I didn't want to take them all for you, Nick. What are some other pieces of the Bears' COVID plan that – you kind of found interesting i'm not gonna say like because i don't think anyone likes having to have a covid plan but that you find interesting yeah i mean if you just go on the chicago bears website and just look at the covid19 safety measures they have there you look at the walter payton center it looks a lot different than if you've ever been there before i've seen photos of it there's just desks that are spaced out on this 100-yard football field, indoor football field. Each one has a the player's number on them, uh, the name. So then all these guys have a consistent kind of station to go to. And that's also – they also have the workout area, a workout area in there too. And that's also because of the new renovations that were done at Hallis Hall. The Bears can have – I think what it is, it's two groups of 15 that can work out 
at the same time. So they have one in the Walter Payton Center, and then they have their original workout center at Hallis Hall. So that's also a nice adjustment. And actually, my girlfriend and I were driving from Bears Fit, and we just wanted to take a drive by Hallis Hall as close as we can actually get to it. <laughs> but because of the renovations, they do have a bigger parking lot, and in one of those parking lots is a testing center. So all these adjustments, these enhancements, these additions to Hallis Hall have just prepared the Bears to be – I guess in the best position to kind of deal with all these things. I see you laughing over there, Will. What are, what are you laughing I'm at? I'm just thinking like the Bears saying, hey, guys, sorry, but you know, no credentials, no media emails, and you're just like sneaking by, like driving as close as you could possibly get to Hallis Hall. There like, are a couple buildings You're really yearning to get in there. Like, you're you're yeah. jonesing for it. <laughs> like, that's pretty fun. I just imagine you driving like, I'm going to get all the way as close as I possibly can because I, I can't get any closer. But you still took the opportunity. I know you live close, um, but just thinking about it, that kind of put a smile on my face. <laughs> if you just getting as close as you can to how us all, despite the fact the Bears said, you know, stay away. You're like pushing the envelope a little bit, which I'm good for you, man. Yeah, there's an Abbott Labs that's over there. They have a roof. I can maybe like, I don't know. <laughs> get some, work get some knocks. Like working on the roof, you know, just get some, you know, maybe a little drone or whatever. Um, but no, yeah. So drove over there. They do have, again, that extra parking space that is used for COVID testing. But a lot of the things you mentioned, Will, I think are just great additions to try and help prevent this, the spread of COVID-19 amongst, you know, the entire team there. But uh, I think the Bears are just doing it right. And I think, I think that's why, again, Nick Foles felt comfortable being here. I think that's why a lot of the players who are there already feel comfortable with all the precautions the Bears are taking because this is a very serious issue. No one's going to say that it's not, or hopefully. But the Bears are taking or doing their due diligence to make safety their number one priority so that football can be played and can be played safely. Yeah, really well said there, Nick. Still thinking about you flying that drone. You took that from training camp when I wanted to take a drone and fly it over the practice, but... That's, that's fun. Did we say George McCaskey was going to come up with an RPG and just like, take it out or something like that? Or I think we had yeah, like, we know, we, we we had a we had a full creative <laughs> exercise around what would happen if we flew a drone over a Bears practice. And yeah, I think McCaskey with an <laughs> RPG was where we landed as the most likely scenario. Which, as many times as we met him, I would not be surprised. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He just you know he uh, that big buff uh, security guard guy. He just give him the look and he'd like toss him over that RPG and. There goes our drone of our live Bears coverage. But, all right, uh, I think that's it for Bears COVID plans. I uh, don't have anything else that I want to mention. So up next, we are going to enter, uh, have Mason come on the show, talk to him about, A, uh, the impact of some key injuries like Roquan Smith, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, even Nick Foles from last year, Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hicks, what their offseason may have looked like, some of the impact that their injuries can have on maybe other areas of their body this season, and just the likelihood of maybe getting re-injured. And on top of that, too, uh, just talking to him just about some various items in terms of how the Bears are handling COVID. Uh, and from his physical therapy standpoint, what a limited offseason, no mini camp, no OTAs, can have an impact in terms of potential further injuries this season. And his thoughts about how the NFL are handling this ramp-up period for training camp and if it's enough or not so stick around here for mason but nick before i let mason on because uh, mason he reminds me of shout outs because he's a, someone that always helps support our show do you mind passing out i think you said we have one shout out to give this week which i'm excited to give this person uh the shout out that he or she deserves yes yeah, so we got one shout out and again this was what a couple or a week ago now but it's awesome that you guys are still doing this and 
we're still able to give these shout-outs. But I just want to say thank you so much to Michael Rosenberg from Aurora, Colorado for the, again, the generous donation. Thank you so much for that. But, of course, if you want to give a don't or hear your name uh, on the podcast next time, you could definitely do that by just giving us any kind of donation. It doesn't matter what what amount it is. We'll give you a shout-out. Tell us where you're from, and we'll make sure to address the the shout-out accordingly. But on Venmo, you can look up at the Chicago Audible. You should see my name, or you should see the logo and my name on there. And then I'm blanking on what the PayPal exactly is. I think it's chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Yeah, it's that easy. Would be the one on PayPal. Yeah, it's that that easy. easy. So um, those are the two ways you can send in your donations but again everybody that's sent in donations over the past months now thank you so much will and i really appreciate that just shows that again you enjoy what we're doing and that we can give back to you guys in this small way of giving you a shout out on the podcast and on top of that too just to let people know just like the impact that can have obviously every week we talk about it helps host the website it helps helps host the uh, the monthly fees that we have for all the different tools that we do for the live recordings, the live uh, shows that we do on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. And on top of that, Nick, it helps cover offset some of the costs. Like you just had to go to Best Buy yesterday to get yourself a Ethernet to USB adapter as well as a USB uh, port extender. So you can plug in your microphone, your webcam, as well as your internet now. And this has been by far the best experience I've had with you going uh, at least from a technology standpoint a while so it does help uh, offset some of those more personal costs of upgrading equipment and just making sure that we're continuing to up our game Uh, i have a lot of ideas for our future as well but of course uh, one thing at a time and i want to focus on uh, this 2020 chicago bears season but thank you so much for everyone who gave that uh, their donations uh, over like you just said nick the last two months it's so appreciated it really does help us out with items like these and also when you mentioned aurora i i really Colorado is the last state that I had in mind. I really thought you were going to say Illinois. I was like, did you read that right? But you must have. Yeah, and so funny, the word Aurora, because Adam Johns mentioned that in the podcast yesterday, and I think he meant to say aroma of, of like, the football field being mm. back. And he, a full I don't know, it's just weird that we're mentioning this now again, and I was just talking about Aurora yesterday. It's just that kind of a word. Um, but all right, all right, let's get back to business, and uh, let's go ahead and bring on Mason West, physical therapist from uh, Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois. All right, Mason, I'm glad to have you. I know you've been a big-time listener of our show for quite some time now. You're always coming in through the support each and every week, which I love giving you a shout-out. Obviously, I'm glad to have your expertise on the show. We're going to talk about a couple of players that are coming off some really critical injuries uh, with a limited offseason just due to the COVID year that we're having. And speaking of COVID-19, just the impact that it's having on training camp, preseason canceled, and from your perspective, what kind of impact we can see on some of these players But Mason uh, glad to have you on, man. Hey, glad to be on. Um, like you said, I've been listening for a while now. Um, this is really exciting. And it's uh, always one of those things, no matter what I'm listening to, whether it's you know a Bears podcast, whether it's some of the sports talk radio, and they start talking about some of the injuries and things. And I'm sitting there at home or in my car, and I'm like, you're not taking this into perspective. You need to bring this part in, you know, with people calling in asking, why is this player not in the field yet? Um, so I'm glad I could add some of that, hopefully expertise and help people understand, uh, why some of the things go the way they do. Well, I'm glad to have you on. I'm going to try to lump some of these players in together. I think there are some common denominators uh, that they do have, although you can definitely tell me I'm wrong because you're the expert here. 
Uh, but I do want to begin, I think, at the most important position on this team, uh, which is quarterback. Both of the Bears quarterbacks suffered injuries last season. Nick Foles, of course, with this collarbone issue that was uh, a re-injury uh, to that collarbone, as well as Mitchell Trubisky with that shoulder dislocation. And I want to know just first and foremost, your thoughts about uh, the recovery for each, uh, the impact that maybe it's had in their off seasons. Obviously, uh, Mitch has been able to rehab more in the building, whereas Nick Foles hasn't really been around Hallis Hall to kind of get in the building. And just curious to the impact that that may have on him and just kind of the lay of the land. I know we're starting this open quarterback competition and obviously last year's injuries, even though they may not be apparent right now, at least from a physical standpoint, they definitely have some sort of impact when it comes to how these two are going to go through this competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so normally when you're comparing the two, so for example, with Nick Foles, right, the more predominant injuries he's had have been those collarbone injury, uh, injuries he's had, the breaks, which has happened twice. And then with Nick, it, or excuse me, with Mitch, it tends to be a bit more of the soft tissue issue, you know, dislocation of the shoulder, which you have the muscles and the ligaments that get disrupted. Traditionally, you're going to be a little bit more worried about the soft tissue issue. Um, if someone comes into my clinic, it's much easier, in my opinion, for me to rehab a broken bone and the stuff around it versus some of that soft tissue. However, in this instance, it's actually kind of the opposite. Uh, now, when you talk about like a collarbone break, it's actually kind of designed to break, actually. Um, really, the average load a clavicle or collarbone could take, it's about 1,500 newtons. And surprisingly enough, a 200-pound defensive back can tackle with up to about 1,600 newtons. So it's not surprising that that occurs. And really, it's there to design so you don't break your neck. You know, something else breaks further down, that's not as important. Now, the problem with Nick is that he's had that happen twice now. And with that, it's now you start to think, okay, well, is there something a little more structurally that's different with him um, that's going to keep him out and that why this, this keeps occurring? And something that a lot of people aren't taking into consideration long term with Nick is he had this occur last year when he was with the Jaguars. He had a, had a rehab from that, came back for a short stint, and then again was dealt, relegated back to the bench again. So he wasn't really getting a lot of those first team reps for a while, right? He wasn't throwing the football quite as much. And then he hits an off season where it's a question mark of what he's even going to be doing. COVID hits, who knows what's going on, you get traded to the bears and you're still not going through those mechanics that you traditionally do. And now one of the things that I found was interesting uh, at the very beginning of this off season, he went on, you know, Chase Daniels podcast at one time and they were talking about some of the rehab he was doing and some of the training he was doing. And the things he highlighted were actually things more like, uh, doing triathlon work or so he was doing a lot of swimming, a lot of running and mm -hmm. things like that. At the end of the day, you know, that's, that stuff's not necessarily going to help the shoulder in particular. And, and at the end of the day, it's all about muscle memory. It's all about that brain and muscle connection. If he doesn't have the chance to throw the, to be throwing the football, throwing to NFL caliber wide receivers, uh, he doesn't have, didn't have the defensive pass rush going against him like he would during the games of last season or even during off season stuff. You know, that all that timing is really going to affect him. And at the end of the day, right, to take a line from from that fame, from a famous movie, it's a game of inches, you know. So it's an inch difference in terms of that pass to Allen Robinson, whether it's an interception, a completion or, or an incompletion. Um, so then you look at Mitch and normally, yes, a dislocation. That's something I'm going to worry a lot about because that shoulder, the way it's constructed, it, there's basically a vacuum with the labrum that sucks that shoulder into its socket. And as soon as you get a tear there, that vacuum is disrupted. And that can be very difficult uh, to deal with. However, for him, it's on his non-throwing shoulder. So that's, that's a huge benefit. Um, 
And it, with today, without having training camps as we normally do with the offseason programs, we're kind of stuck looking at social media and what they're doing in terms of their training. And with Mitch, if you actually look, he's been at Spear Fitness and some of the things he's doing, it looks fantastic. There are things, those are things that I would be having him do and things that would make me confident that that shoulder is going to be strong. Um, just in terms of the, the complication, complicated movements, making sure that the shoulder is moving in the way it should, things like that. Then you throw on top of that, lastly, that, you know, he has been, like you said, in Illinois. At the very beginning of all this stuff, he was able to be at the um, facilities rehabbing with the, with the team. And you don't know exactly what's going on behind closed doors. I mean, is there a chance that he's also doing some stuff with teammates and things on the, on the practice field inside? Sure, potentially, uh, with some of those other guys that are rehabbing. And then he's, you know, out in the out in the field, uh, throwing around with guys with Alan Robinson, Cole Komet, and that timing is going to be there, right? I mean, he every time that Allen Robinson runs that slant, he's going to know exactly where Allen Robinson is, and it's going to look better on the field than with Foles having to kind of figure out what that timing is. Right. Actually, really quick aside, I don't have this in my notes, but you're talking about with Mitch and his injury. Now, of course, he had that shoulder dislocated really early last season, and he had to wear a harness. And I know that wasn't on his throwing shoulder, but a lot of issues with Mitch last year were his throwing mechanics. Could a dislocation mm -hmm. to that non-throwing shoulder kind of throw off that body kind of, I'll call it balance, uh, as he was going through his mechanics and his motions? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I was saying, you know, so much of this is that muscle memory and it's just being able to do the same thing over and over again. Now, all of a sudden you have something that is, you know, just sitting on you differently that is tugging you in a way. And even though you're throwing with the right side, that the other side, the clavicle has to rotate differently. The shoulder blade on the other side has to work differently. And that matters all up and in down the body. So that was something that he was having to work with all the last season. That's going to be part of the reason why his passes were sailing at times. Um, and then of course, that's also going to be why he wasn't feeling comfortable running the ball too, right? Just whether it's the fear of getting hurt again or just, again, just a different feeling in that pocket. So the hope is that with what he's been doing this off season, that he may, that he wouldn't have to wear that shoulder brace. And if he does, it would have to be held loosely on there, just more as a precautionary thing, not actually holding it in place like it had to do all last season. Sure. You know, exactly. I've had my shoulder dislocated. I don't know if you know, about six times as my left shoulder. And I had a hard time even having trust sleeping on that side sometimes because when the muscles would relax in my sleep, I've had it actually dislocate. So I couldn't imagine being a quarterback trying to run the ball with a linebacker trailing you, taking a hit because I had a hard time trusting even sleeping on a mattress. So right. it is, it definitely, I think trust, like you just mentioned, is a bigger factor when it comes to shoulders. Uh, we also, I know you talked to Nick about Jalen Johnson and his previous shoulder injuries, and we have a pretty good understanding of where you stand there. I don't mind if you want to talk about Johnson, but I think a bigger one for Bears fans right now is Anthony Miller. Uh, just due to the shoulder injuries that he's had throughout his career, I know he had the dislocation his rookie year, and then last year re-injured that same shoulder, and I believe it was listed as like an AC joint sprain. I know he had to get surgery on it again, is this a shoulder that you are concerned about? Maybe even a little bit more so than Mitch? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, with him, right, whenever you talk about wide receiver, the range of motion that you need in those shoulders in order to make some of those catches, those contested catches, it's huge. Um, and the fact that he's had it occur so often, and he, he talked about it during the season at times even, right, about how he was constantly adjusting the brace and trying to loosen it a little bit over time so that he could get a bigger catch radius. But then when he would loosen it, you know, one game would come up where all of a sudden, boom, he dislocates again. 
And so with him, you know, if you had to kind of put him in a category, he'd be a red flag for me that I would be concerned without actually having looked at him without seeing exactly his rehab process that he's going to potentially be dislocating that shoulder again at some point this season. Or and if he's not, it's because his brace is on in a way that his catch rate is going to be reduced into a significant extent that if the passes aren't accurate enough, he may not be able to come down with that ball. Yeah, that's also an issue, right? Like even if his shoulder is protected, his overall mobility being limited is going to hinder his impact, which is unfortunate because he does have a lot of talent. Uh, but injuries do play a role in that one. I did want to talk about both of the inside linebackers for the Chicago Bears as well because they're both coming off of pretty severe injuries. Uh, Trevathan had that a real gnarly elbow dislocation, and then Roquan Smith, towards the end of last season, tore his pectoral muscle. And now, of course, with Roquan, you're seeing him on Instagram, you're seeing him on social media. He's looking like he's living life and enjoying himself and looks like he's pretty healthy for the most part. But between the two, are you more concerned about one over the other? If I had to choose one that I was more concerned about, it would probably be Trevathan, to be quite honest. Um, as, as you start to get, his was more of a freak accident, you know, just how he landed on that arm, that elbow dislocation and potentially a little bit of the, the bony damage that was done there. So it's not like it's something that would be recurrent, like the shoulder dislocations we just talked about with Anthony Miller. However, as when you start to talk about someone that is getting a little older in age, and that is when you have something like that, I wouldn't even be maybe as concerned about another elbow dislocation, but something else in the chain. So maybe it's now something now in his shoulder or something with his neck, um, because he's had to do that the recovery this off season. And at the end of the day, he probably could have come back if the bears had made the playoffs. Um, you know, he had the uh, dislocation on November 10th and wasn't placed on IR until I believe December 18th. And that was after the bears had been officially eliminated essentially from the playoffs. So they were ready to put him back out there. Um, but at the same time, like I said, with his age getting up there um, with, with where the injury was and the position he plays, right. It's a very forward position. Um, you're always driving down towards the ball with a, you know, 200 some pound running back sprinting at you in the hole or a large guard pulling and trying to, to get you. You know, I would be more concerned more in the sh- that shoulder, neck, back area, if anything. Um, when it comes to, to Roquan, again, th- there's actually not that common to have a pec injury, to be quite honest. Um, there were over 15 seasons. There are only about 211 pec injuries. Of, of these, 132 were strains and 79 were ruptures. So, and with the ruptures, uh, those are the ones you tend to do more surgery on. Um, most players come back in approximately 146-ish days to on the high end for the most part. And so we're well past that. So he should be good for camp, good to go. Um, again, with him, as well, the best we can tell is with social media stuff. Like, what, is, what are you doing? Are you doing enough to rehab or are you just going out and living your best life? Hard to say, and we'll have to wait until training camp to see how he's moving around. Um, but for the most part, I think he should be pretty good as long as as long as he was sticking to his rehab. Yeah, it's we've seen a little bit more of the off the rehab when it comes to Roquan. So maybe that is the bigger question, right? If he's sticking with it, but he looks he looks strong. He looks like he's pretty well uh, back into shape, which is which is good. And like you said, hopefully that's the case. Now, Akeem Hicks, he also had an elbow injury last year and. You can tell me if you think they rushed him back in maybe a little bit too soon. I think I think the results were pretty obvious in that regard, but is he in probably the same category as a Danny Trevathan just due to the age, due to the nature of the injury and the other impacts it can have? I would say so. Right. And when it comes to football, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. And that's what you they always say. You have to figure out where that 
person falls. Um, he was, I mean, you know, Akeem Hicks from, from in terms of what he says and, and the tenacity he has, they couldn't have held him off the field if they wanted to, he was going to get back in there. Probably went in a bit too early, but yes. I mean, when you have someone that's that large, that big of a human being, and they're smashing against other people who are also that large, um, that's kind of where you start to fall into the question of uh, injury prevention versus injury reduction. You know, if someone comes to you and says, I can prevent the chance of you getting injured in a football game, they're they're lying to you. <laughs> There's just so many factors that occur. It's like that that's a perfect example in that play where just the the worst case scenario of people flying by, hitting the elbow at the right angle that, you know, that resulted in the injury that he had. Um and it was an it's an arduous uh, recovery. I mean, he he was just, you know, a month out and he was talking about how he was using two pound dumbbells to do his curls with. Right. I mean, that's not the kind of uh, weight you want to be have here. Your defensive tackle talking like he's slinging around um, again, though, he, he'll probably be wearing a brace. I would I'm imagine still once he gets back on the field, he's going to be full bore. He's going to be the old Akeem Hicks. The question really boils down to more. OK, what about the other areas? So, right, because of the fact that he was in a brace or a sling for that elbow for a period of time where the people that were rehabbing him worried about, okay, well, let's keep your shoulder strong. Let's keep the shoulder range of motion going, right? Let's keep that core activation where it should be. Um, so that when, and that's the question for most of these guys as they're coming back into camp now, they had no control over what they were doing. Um, but you got to hope that they were, you know, putting the work in and they were working on not just the areas that they felt were problems in his case, the elbow, but the areas around it that may have fallen to the wayside. If you were an executive or a head coach or heck, even like a head trainer for a team, would you be concerned about some of these guys who are coming back from injuries since they did have to rehab away from your care, away from your facilities? You can send out all of the, your recommendations that you want, but if they're working with other medical professionals, they're going to have their own ways of going about it. So if you were in, say, Hallis Hall, and these players are now just coming back for camp, would you be, I want to use the word skeptical, but just maybe a little cautious with them and seeing where they're at right now physically? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I would have to be very cautious as I'm bringing these guys in and I mean, we'll, we'll get to it eventually in terms of that, that training camp schedule as what it's going to look like. But you know, that ramp up period that making sure that guys are ready for the rigors of a training camp and then the rigors of a full out, you know, football game, I would be monitoring very closely how my guys felt the whole time. Um, because at the end of the day, you, the, it's all about training specificity. And unfortunately when you're out, training on your own, you can't train like you would in a training camp, right? The intensity is not going to be the same. You're not going to have this, the, the hits like you would, um, you know, from player to player, you're not gonna have the same fatigue. You're not gonna have the same or anything like that. So therefore you know that you're coming in behind the eight ball a little bit, regardless of how hard that these workers were. Um, you know, I would, would really hope that they did the best they could to vet the people that they were working with. But at the end of the day, some of these guys were in totally different states, right? They're picking their old high school trainers, their old college trainers. Um, and, at, and unfortunately some of the, some of the strategies used may not be what they wanted in terms of, you know, an off season for their, their players. Is there any other players that you wanted to kind of hit on that you think the injuries were large enough last year that do warrant some concern or consideration heading into the season? I know some bigger names like Bilal Nichols, Bobby Massey. Uh, I did brush over Jalen Johnson quick just because I think with his shoulders, it's probably along the lines of an Anthony Miller. So I think they're similar. Again, you can tell me if I'm wrong, sir. <laughs> but I just want to make sure there aren't any other players that you did want to discuss today. Yeah. Um, I just hit real quick on Jalen Johnson. I mean, he's 
his shoulder surgery because the one he got it's a little bit more of a rare surgery um doesn't happen that often but with him it's going to be more of a long-term issue um they've actually seen that there are some um hardware complications and uh some changes on x-rays that they've seen but that's going to be something like three four years down the road that all of a sudden it's like okay his shoulder's starting to get real sore more often it's not something that's going to be as relevant for for this training camp this year um when you come think about someone like a Bilal nichols he had that handbrake most upper extremity and when it comes to the nfl is more of that worst case scenario bad wrong place wrong time scenario for him if anything i would be more thinking about that knee in- injury he had the previous year so now at the end, the end of the day right same kind of same concept as when you talk about Nikhil hicks very large individual smashing against other very large individuals and the thing that uh, needs to be taken into account is now eddie goldman not being there and actually right as we just also found out john jenkins not being there for the beginning of it at least because he's on that designation as well um so he yes Bilal Nichols does not play the same position as Eddie Goldman, but it's interesting when you listen to the press conference uh, that they had and Pace started listing the individuals that need to step up with Eddie Goldman not being there. Bilal Nichols was like the second person they listed after Keem Hicks. Um, when it comes when it comes to the on the football field, you aren't necessarily going to lean as much on that second third level backup. If anything, you're going to ask some of your other starters and potentially do a little bit more, right? Do some more stunts. Maybe he's asking him to take on some more double teams because what Eddie Goldman did so well was sit in the middle and just get smashed by two two guys. And so, is that something that Wall Nichols is ready for? Is he ready to take on more snaps to take on potentially more double teams? And is that knee going to be able to hold him? Um, because we saw that it was an issue two years ago. And we saw that, yes, his snaps were down this year than due to the hand, but if he didn't have those snap reductions, could he have had some of that knee pain come back on him? Um, and then lastly, Bobby Massey, the high ankle sprain is always so tough. Um, it's it's a rough injury, right? Because you have that, that talus, that ankle bone that gets shoved straight up into the two other bones, and you're just basically tearing that connective tissue in between. Again, once you have these big guys that are trying to move around on it, every step you take, that bone gets shoved up a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Um, normally, it takes six weeks to about three months, depending on the person to recover. Um, so he's going to be fine for training camp in terms of actually going. But at the, again, at the end of the day, like again, a little bit on the older side, he, you know, a lot of weight that he's moving around. Um, he's going to be going against some very athletic, you know, defensive ends that are going to be rushing on him. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's going to have another injury. However, his performance may not be necessarily as high as we want it to be. Okay. Uh, Let's go ahead and kind of segue into our next couple of talking points here, which is going to be uh, the impact that COVID-19 is having on training camp. I think the largest change here is going to be the lack of preseason. And I know you and I were talking as we're just kind of discussing a couple ways to take this conversation. And you're talking about the lack of, I think you called it high impact reps uh, and the lack of those and what the impact may end up being. So can you explain why maybe not having uh, you know, joint practices, preseason games, as much as maybe those may bore some fans to watch, <laughs> uh, which uh, myself included, depending on the game, uh, as long as it's anyone but the Chicago Bears. But really, uh, the loss of those reps and what that could mean in terms of uh, a health standpoint, uh, a stability standpoint, and, and just curious your thoughts. Yeah. So when it comes when it comes to that, you can really look at ability to reduce chances of injury due to two main pathways, right? You have your traditional strength and what you think about with that. Um, but then you're also going to have that neuromuscular control thought process. So for example, if you're a running back and you go to hit the hole, someone comes dives at your legs and hits you on the outside of your knee, 
does your body have the control, that neuromuscular control to be able to allow the knee to bend in enough to protect it, but not so much that all of a sudden that, you know, you're going to have a, a tear of an ACL or um, a break of a bone. And the only way that your body learns to do those things is essentially by doing it, right? So by having those hitting practices where you're, you are, you're doing hitting drills in camp, where you're having to make those last second cuts because now all of a sudden the angle's a little different than what you were practicing at, at home with your cones because you don't have a defender all of a sudden crashing down on you um, and you have to make these last second adjustments. Do, does your body have the ability to say, okay, I need to now let my knee fall in this much and push off with this much uh, effort in order to now hit this pole? So there is a, there's certainly a higher chance without having these joint practices, without having these offices and without just having the traditional mini camps that the bodies aren't necessarily ready to take those kinds of loads on. And something that is that, that was talked about a little bit and actually that most recent press conference were some of these rookies and some of these people pushing too hard, right? Some of these on that guy saying, well, this, I need to make up for lost time, or this is the only opportunity I have or things of that nature. And now all of a sudden you have a sore sore back and you're saying, well, no, I can't leave practice. I can't get the, the work that I need to get done um, in order to make myself feel better. Because if I leave practice, I'm losing important reps and potentially losing position on the depth chart. And so now these guys are going out there in a hurt position, trying to do a little bit too much. Now, I know the NFL is trying their best here um, as they're going through uh, some of the changes with training camp. I would say the largest change with training camp, of course, is this gradual ramp-up period that they are implementing. Uh, really, you're not going to get any players even having padded practice until, I think, August 17th. Uh, I know their thought process here is looking at the 2011 lockout season. They had all those soft tissue injuries, so they're trying to implement this ramp-up period do you think they're on the right track with how they're going about this to try to limit some of those uh, soft tissue injuries, or do you think more should have been done? Just real curious about your perspective. So they're doing the right thing. The ramp up period is is imperative in this situation. So not only the about approximately eight days that they're doing just that strength and conditioning walkthrough esque stuff, but also the those other kind of modified days as they're getting into it. The only thing that's unfortunate is it may not be necessarily enough. It's better than nothing, of course. Mm -hmm. However, you know, you see that to get true changes in things like strength and conditioning, you need about six to eight weeks of continuous progressive strength training to get muscular gains. Same thing can be said about VO2 max or basically your body's capacity to, you know, have that aerobic capacity, um, endurance training, things like that. That still also takes about that six to eight week mark. So the good thing is there's a big difference between trained and non-trained individuals. So if you or I were all of a sudden go out there, it's going to take us much longer to get to, the, to that point where we be safe versus some of these individuals where these trained individuals, it's going to take them a little bit shorter period of time. So that's a positive thing. Um, there is still with that, though, where I th still think we're going to see enough taking some of those soft tissue injuries um, during training camp. But then actually the, some of the bigger things that you're potentially going to see is actually more probably like maybe if we get to that point, you know, <laughs> having been so many happenings in the season, um, more like week six, week seven, when all those things really start to layer on. A good example being if you go back to with Khalil Mack, right, he didn't really have the training camp, the offseason that he was supposed to have because of the issues of the contract and being traded to the Bears. He comes in, he starts, he's killing it, he's doing awesome, and then all of a sudden there's this ankle injury in the Dolphins game. And then he's never really quite the same since then. Now, we can't say for sure would he not have injured his ankle if he had a as had that offseason, but it's more likely that he would have been okay than because there were just too many reps there. I mean, they tried even controlling his, but eventually you're like, you're not going to keep Cleo Mack off the field. You got you to gotta get him out there. 
Do you think that since they're cutting the roster down to the 80 guys too, that they're getting some of these extra reps in practice will lead to some of this overwork as well? Yes. Um, so at the end of the day now, right, it's going to be a situation of two things. One, the fact that there's just less people. So therefore less reps to do less breaks on the side, less recovery. Um, and then ultimately secondarily with that, when you're now trying to do the social distancing aspect, is there going to be a difference where, okay, we have our, you know, defensive line over here. And normally we might pull a couple of extra guys from maybe some other positions that were kind of doing a cross position thing, but now we can't do that. We, it's just these guys we have right here. And so therefore that social distancing aspect might make it a little harder to spread those reps out as well. There are a lot of really good studies out there that are talked using GPS technology where they're tracking uh, players training essentially and their work output. And they're finding that once you get a certain threshold with that work output, the chance of injury does go up. Um, and that's more or less kind of like the, the GPS stuff that they're using um, for their for their social distancing at House Hall, if anyone had a, had a chance to hear about that. Um, but yes, that at the end of the day, cutting that down, it's nice that they're expanding the practice squad. That's going to make it a little easier on the season, you know, just to get keep some of those guys ready. Um, for once the games actually start, but it really, it is a shame that they had to uh, reduce the number of bodies that they had at training camp. Absolutely. You kind of led into my next segment here. Uh, I know earlier in the show, Nick and I, we talked about uh, some of the changes that the bears were doing just due to COVID-19 and how they're adapting. How is Hall? I'm just curious to any of the thoughts that you may have this on this as well. I mean, I have you on here, so I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to share some of your thoughts and input as well. And I think they're doing a great job. Um, you know, they're, it's such an in-depth process that they're going through in terms of, you know, to screen yourself at home first. And then, you know, you can't get into the building if you don't meet those certain requirements. And then, you know, it's just, it's going to be frustrating for the players. It's going to be frustrating for the coaches. And if anything, it's going to be a mental fatigue thing, like having to do that all day, every day. But, you know, it's similar to the NBA bubble where I would personally feel, if anything, safer doing that and, and being, you know, at training camp than I would be even in real amongst in real life. Um, you know, your these beat guys are getting going to get screened every day. If they see someone that doesn't, or that, that has, you know, their temperatures off that they tested positive, you know, like I said, they have that GPS technology where they're going to say you were around these eight players. All right, let's take you and those eight players or move you guys from the group, you know, te test you guys again and make sure that potentially something doesn't spread. I mean, it's, it's safer, honestly, to be there than it's going to be just going to the local grocery store. We have no idea what the <laughs> heck not wrong. they're doing. And then you walk by someone going down a hallway and they got the, you know, they're not wearing their mat, that, that whole thing. So I would feel pretty confident in what the Bears are doing. And this is a learning process, you know, like we've never done this before. We, we have to, and we're going to unfortunately have to learn from our mistakes. And if there's something that's off, they're going to fix it. You're right. It's never going to be a perfect system. I think we've learned that throughout 2020. Uh, it's just one of those where we just have to gradually get better with each passing day and learning from what went well, what did not go well, and just don't be stubborn and uh, stick with the status quo uh, just because we all need to protect one another. But Mason, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on either with the Bears, uh, specifically training camp, lack of a preseason? Uh, I think we hit on the injuries part pretty well earlier in your segment, but just want to make sure that there isn't anything else in your notes that uh, you prepared for that you want to make sure Bears fans know about. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that people are really – harping on or at least that i've seen it with some of the stuff on twitter and things like that is a little bit of the you know andre tucker had talked about how they will have the masks available into for the uh, for the actual helmets and everything however it's going to be optional you don't have to wear it 
Um, and then if I recall correctly, uh, Matt Nagy had gone on and said, but when you're in the building, you know, you have to wear the mask. Um, it's, it is one of those things where they're, again, they're going through the process, they're screening these guys they're making sure that you know, they don't have the symptoms and all this stuff. And again, you're taking them and now you're shoving them into a training camp where they're going to be doing intense athletic stuff that if at the end of the day, if they've screened that they haven't, they're not in the realm of risk and they choose not to wear their special, you know, helmet mask that again, that situation is probably safer than it is for most other people. Um, and to keep in mind the, uh, toll that honestly, you know, if anyone's ever played football in August in Chicago, they know what it's like to have that helmet and pads on. So now adding that extra, uh, masks on the front is going to be very difficult. So just keeping in mind that even if someone chooses not to wear it, it's not necessarily, you know, going to be a huge detriment to them or anyone around them. They're doing everything else that they really should be doing to make sure people are going to be safe. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mason. Uh, hopefully you have yourself a good rest of your week and enjoying getting what little content we're going to be able to get out of the Bears training camp with not just the restrictions with players and coaches, but with the. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Media themselves and... Uh, I'm excited for this season if we can get there. And I just want to thank you again for your time and, of course, for your support of the podcast uh, over the years. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. It was, you know, a lot of fun. And like you said, hopefully there's more football to talk about. All right, Nick. So obviously Mason brought some really good insight to the table here. And I hope that listeners of the show uh, were able to take that information, found it to be as insightful as I did and you as well. But just a couple small points to kind of just wrap up the show here. I know we hit on the quarterbacks hard uh, just because A, it's the most exciting and biggest talking point so far this offseason. And B, it's a little bit more fresh in our minds. But the Bears did have Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy speak to the media earlier and they, of course, had their own tidbits to share that I think we should discuss. And for me, one of the bigger ones, which even though they said it and we'll discuss it because they said it, it's just an obvious thing. And that's just about the rookies, how they're a little bit behind just due to the offseason. And the Bears are trying their best to catch them up. But there's going to be an impact in terms of like limited reps. And it may take them a while this season to get up to speed, to get up to snuff. Uh, so I'm curious your thoughts about how it could impact this rookie class, uh, specifically, probably, most importantly, Jalen Johnson and Cole Komet, um, as well as the mid to late round guys. Because personally, I think Komet, he has to be everything the Bears wanted him to be uh, off season or not. He needs to find a way to be uh, that wide tight end in this roster. And then secondly, Jalen Johnson, I still think he, I know there are a couple of options, but I think he for the Bears' sake, needs to win this cornerback competition. Uh, again, offseason or not, I don't really care. He needs to find a way to get it done. Uh, do you think that both of them, even though they're maybe a little bit behind compared to previous rookie classes, do have what it takes to still have those roles, especially early on the season that we were all envisioning maybe around draft time? Yeah, I believe so, Will. Um, another thing that was mentioned on the Hogan Johns podcast, um, one of the Adams asked Pace about, this rookie class and again a lot of similar things with the COVID-19 pandemic how it affects them and Pace was saying that 
the football IQ amongst all the draft picks is a strength of this rookie class. They're all just really sharp guys, can pick up on things. We've already heard Matt Nagy just, again, flourish about Cole Komet's ability to pick up this offense and run it effectively and just knowing what to do on specific plays. But I think what also, again, having these limited reps and all these things like that, it does create the competition at that cornerback position to be a little bit more profound, I think. I thought, you know, going when the Bears drafted Jalen Johnson, number one day starter come week one, but Pace was saying that this is a position battle that he's going to be really looking at. There's someone that's, um, I think it was underrated. What's a position battle that's underrated that you guys aren't maybe aren't talking about as much? Nagy and Pace both said cornerback. And I think, look, maybe even if this all wasn't happening, that still would be a position battle. But maybe just those limited reps and things just makes it that much more of a competition. But I think this rookie class, they have a lot of, there's a lot of veterans in front of them at their specific positions that are going to help them in this process. And we already talked earlier in the podcast about what Mitch, Nick Foles, and Tyler Bray are doing for this rookie class in terms of the offensive players and trying to learn this this offense. So it's nice to hear that the strength is they're all sharp. Football IQ is a plus with all these guys. And, of course, it's going to impact them, not having the actual practice reps and things of that nature. But I think they're in good hands with, with the people they have there, not just the, the teammates, but just the, the staff members and all those pieces in place. The Bears have a, a good, tight-knit organization, great culture. So anybody new coming to it, even in these times, can learn and get the best out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously... I thought we did a good job of covering that cornerback competition. We had a show dedicated to it. We've mentioned it a few times, so uh, I guess the media needs to catch up to the, the battle at CB. But what about the mid-round guys like Gibson and Mooney? Because those are probably the guys where they would have smaller roles anyway. So I'm curious, do you think they'll have an impact on them early on this season? Just because they probably, they're probably they're not guys that we envision starting. I mean especially Gibson, especially Mooney. Okay, okay, both of them. Uh, yeah. So for the fact that they're not really expected to start, they're expected to have like a, a role this year, do you think they'll be as impacted or have their work cut out to them uh, as much? Or do you think they'll have it, I'll say a little bit easier, that maybe not be, they may not be the right phrase here, but maybe they'll have, there's a little bit less pressure on them to get all the way up to speed by week one. Yeah, I think with them, we weren't, like you were saying, Will, anticipating them being the biggest contributors from the get-go. And look, I would think it would be crazy for me to say that COVID-19 isn't going to affect them because you this isn't your typical your typical football season. They would have had a lot more work, just been around the facility more than they have been, which is unfortunate. But that's just a situation that they're in, something that Nick Foles kept on reiterating. That's a situation we're in. So, yeah, I think it definitely impacts them. But going back to my point just a couple seconds ago, those guys definitely have some great veterans in front of them. Uh, we said Ted Ginn Jr. is perfect for a guy like Darnell Mooney. Same, very similar position, someone they can definitely learn from. And obviously Gibson has Quinn and Mack to kind of learn from as well. So those are great guys to have. But, yeah, COVID, it's going to impact, I think, what they would have been able to do. And in terms of playing time in the beginning of the season, I wasn't really anticipating much, but it probably does hinder it a little bit, to be completely honest. And again, they're in this good situation. They'll learn from these veterans and from just the people around them how to best cope with this and get the most out of it. 
Yeah, really well said, man. Uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, I'll talk about a positive one next I see here in my notes, and that's about Allen Robinson. I think if you listen to Ryan Pace this week and you read between the lines and you read everything that Allen Robinson's been on social media about, I believe it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of when they want to make the extension rather than if, which I believe it just makes too much sense. Like if you just let him walk, I think that's a huge mistake, but it just seems like they're waiting for the right, right time to execute the deal uh, and get it done. And I know Nick, you and I were talking about it. It could have been the last podcast. It could have been, I think the wide receiver episode specifically, just it's going to be in September, more than likely just looking at the timing of recent extensions in the past. Um, did that kind of confirm your gut feeling there? Yeah, and Pace was saying, again, on, on that Hogan Johns podcast, that they're they're usually pretty quiet about these situations, and they are. They're not going to say they're going to extend somebody or release that information, but um, he also mentioned how important Allen Robinson is to this offense and to the culture that they have in Chicago. But I, I have a gut feeling, or a good feeling, too, at that, that comes September, first week, right before maybe that week one of season, we'll see what... Again, what we should have saw in the beginning, right? But Allen Robinson, I'm, I have a good feeling we'll get that extension because, like we we said, I think we, we we didn't even do it though. Well, like a confidence meter with and without Allen Robinson, had we oh. had we done that, you know? So yeah, I think we forgot to do that. But they know how important he is to this offense, so there's no way that I don't see this deal getting done. Well, that's sad. I remember wanting to do that, and I didn't add it to the notes on the fly, which I should have. Let's just say that both of our confidence would have been shot without. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I think (laughs) it goes without saying, so I guess it's okay. But, um, yeah, Alan Robinson, hopefully that all comes uh, to fruition. But uh, any other extras from Pace and Nagy? Again, it was just a lot of coach speak, front office speak, and I'm not going to just rehash, you know, every little thing they said because they're going to talk themselves up and can't focus on last year. We have to focus on this year, the same old adage that you're going to hear from every team ever. Um, but I did like how Matt Nagy mentioned that he wants to find ways to keep camp physical um, and they're going to be a tough football team that may still toe the line of those same old uh, sayings that you're going to hear from coaches. But with the limited training camp, without a preseason um, as we learned from Mason, like they do need to find a way to get those high-impact reps to put in there so the body does get callous. The muscles do have that memory of knowing how to handle contact once they get into a full 100% speed game situation. So I do like hearing that they're keeping that in mind and they're going to find ways to keep this training camp as physical as they can given the limitations. Is there anything else? Uh, did you want to build on that? Or is there anything else from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy that you want to make sure that just in case our listeners like me have been working like a dog all week and haven't been able to sit down and listen to the full, you know, hour long interview with both of them uh, that they make sure that they know of heading into this week two of bears camp. Yeah. So this one's actually going to, again, referencing the Hogan Johns podcast because they had Brian Pace for almost 50 minutes of audio there, but they taught, they asked him about Cam Newton. Just again, I think I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't mention what Pace had to say about this situation because that was a huge talking point. Mm-hmm. What was the, what were they going to do in about March with the bear, the quarterback situation? Of course, Pace didn't really say too much, but he did say that there were just a lot of options that the Bears looked at and they explored all of them. And they were very thorough with the process, but and they went, like I said, went through all of them. So I think at some point in time, it would be safe to say that the Bears maybe did 
think about a Cam Newton, but with that foot situation, I think that you couldn't bring him in at that point in time to your facility because that's when Kova was really just starting and you had to be really careful of what you could and couldn't do. So that's what was mentioned. That's what Pace said about that. And then one last thing that was also mentioned in that podcast, uh, they talked about Jay Rogers, uh, the Bears defensive line coach, and the importance he now has with Eddie Goldman out and obviously – Jenkins being on, on the COVID-19 uh, reserve list. They say, um, Pace was saying that Rodgers does such a good job of just maximizing the talent from his group and also recognizing the limitations. So uh, what was mentioned was that he focuses, yes, on what those limitations are, but tries to put each guy in a scenario where he's just going to maximize his talent. So then you're kind of mitigating what he does or doesn't do well so and he's good at adapting which every single coach really needs to be able to do especially during these times but those are really the only other takeaways from either naggy pace that i kind of wanted to to mention here you don't want to talk about the bears having high confidence in the running back depth because the key word there is depth and that is one that last week or week and a half ago we were a little skeptical of because you have montgomery and then you have cohen and then you have a mixture of Cordero Patterson, but you don't have that next guy who could take, who could be a three down back, who is that traditional running back like a David Montgomery right now. Now they have a couple undrafted free agents that they can look into. Uh, that, of course, I believe Pierce is also on the COVID 19 reserve list right now, uh, who is the one that I was higher on. So that's unfortunate for him. Um, but the fact that they went out of their way to say that they are confident in the depth, they even mentioned Ryan Nall's name, which I guess it's about August now, so it makes sense that you want to talk up Ryan Nall, but I don't know. That one just took me by surprise, and it felt like, I don't know, like why would you say that? Because looking at the roster, I don't see how you could be confident. Again, they're going to talk up their own team because they don't want to say, yeah, we neglected to really put some death at running back. They're not going to say it, but I'm not going to buy that they are confident in the depth at the position just because really they don't have depth there now do you like david montgomery and Tariq cohen as options sure do you like cordero patterson as well as another you know potential playmaker back there in the backfield great do you like ryan all well then we're gonna have a different discussion but outside of that i don't understand why you would have confidence in the depth you just have unproven rookies that weren't drafted which again running backs you hear the saying dime a dozen so you can find one but still, it's a little confusing. That's The word I'll just mention is confusing, but you didn't want to mention that, Nick, huh? You know, I completely forgot about it. I, you know, looking at my notes, I'm like, why am I not seeing these bullet points that we're obviously talking about right now on my sheet here? I'm like, I think I just may have made two of them and just expanded on the newest one and forgot some of the old other talking points because I specifically remember running backs. We talked about this. We were going to mention this, and I I think I was the one that reminded you, but you reminded me just now of it. But it is interesting to hear them kind of word it that way, that they do feel this confidence in this running back position. I think the reporter actually asked, again, he mentioned specifically about Cordero Patterson. Where is he taking reps, most of the reps at? Uh, of course, Pace just blows by the answer, doesn't address it. Is that an indication that maybe it is going to be a little bit more running backs? Because tra- in training camp last year, it was both. It was like you'd see Patterson with the wide receivers, see him with the running backs. So maybe that's a way of saying it by not saying it. But it is interesting because if you you take David Montgomery out of this, and a lot of teams you take out their number one running back, they'd be in a bad situation. Right. 
Well, the Bears would be in a very bad situation. You can't have Tariq Cohen be that guy. Then we would all see Ryan Nall. We would have to see Ryan Nall if that was, that was the case. But they don't have a lot of depth, and they're probably talking up their guys because they do feel confident in them. And, I, you know, everyone knows I like David Montgomery, but they can definitely add another guy there, and I'd feel way better about the situation than what they have right now. It's not, it's not that I don't believe that one of these undrafted backs could be an, a potential option. It's just that you can't. I would be silly if I've never seen them on a practice field in the NFL, uh, in a training camp, in an NFL game. They're like, yeah, they'll be fine. Like, you don't know. It's just, and they don't either. Uh, so that's really what it comes down to. Now, they may have, I mean, what, they've done walkthroughs so far? So they don't know either. And Pierce is on the reserve list. So you're on the one option. So it's unless they really, really internally like Ryan Nall, which would be really, really confusing. Well, that's the only way I can see it. But it's just another, that's, again, that's why this point of the year, you take everything, what they say, you look at it through their perspective, and you just understand, like, you're going to hear these things, you're going to say these things, but it's a matter of finding the right things to buy into, which I think with a lot of what we've talked about with Mitch specifically, I buy into. I buy into that he's been putting in the work and he's elevated his game. Now we'll find out how much and if he can handle that inside of a game. But in terms of the other things like a running back, you're going to just say, eh, maybe not so much, which that's what training camp's all about. Any final thoughts about uh, either anything that we discussed so far, Nick, or anything that we have uh, forgotten about throughout this week that you want to make sure our listeners know? Not really well, but it is nice that we have talking points again. We were just saying, like, what, a week ago, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? And we had so much to talk about just within a week of time of of us saying that. So hopefully that continues as we can continue to find just valuable information to display to you guys to, again, make you the most informed Bears fans because that is what we strive to do and that is what our goal is each and every podcast, each and every season, each and every episode. So it was fun to talk about a bunch of Bears talking points and the Bears are at House Hall. They're kind of in a training camp, not really. It's weird to say that, but they are. And they're getting work on the field and we'll see them in pads, I think, around August 17th. And that's when it'll become even more real. But I'm enjoying this for now. We do have some, like you mentioned, basketball earlier. There's live sports on again. It's it's nice to have that again and what we've all just been going through. So, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this for sure. Well, hopefully they play some defense if I watch another game. I don't watch <laughs> a lot of NBA basketball, uh, but it was on last night after I came home from my middle school practice. And I was just going through some notes on some players I took and the game's on and my son he's huge into basketball like he loves like he's seven years old and he's like I was like, who's your favorite player he's like oh, today it's vince carter i'm like who are you are you are you like a 30 year old man in that body but yeah he loves vince carter and shaquille o'neal and magic johnson which for being seven years old and he finds these players himself and like learns about them it's pretty remarkable but just watching that game like you look up and it's like halftime and like each team had about 80 points and i'm like this is wrong and i'm just I'm hopeful that the NFL won't be the same way because if so, like if it really tarnishes the level of play to that degree, if we're getting 35 points scored by each team in the first half, like as much as I love watching football, like that wouldn't feel right. That would feel like a shell of what we would expect from a season. Unless the Bears are scoring 35 points a game. Well, no, I'm saying I'm saying each team, like if you have 70 points total scored in a half, because no defense is being played, that would just be. 
Ugh. Yeah, no. I think what's good, though, like with this situation, usually defenses come along a little bit quicker and faster, even, I think, during these times. If anything, it might be the exact opposite, where we're just not seeing any scoring whatsoever. But if it did somehow go the way of the NBA, where no defense is being played, I think the Houston Rockets were the team mm-hmm. that you were, maybe were watching. Yeah, of course, they don't play defense. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be insane. That's probably the most basketball talk we've ever had in this podcast, which is great because it's not even remotely in our atmosphere that we want to discuss. But you have to look at some other sports right now and how they're coming back and what's happening and to kind of gauge what may be the NFL's reality for 2020. And like I said, I was thinking about that last night. Like, yeah, hey, hopefully it's a little bit more stern with the defense. But if it's just the Houston Rockets, great. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But all right, Nick, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I know that, you know, it is unfortunate that Nick and I can't be there at Hallis Hall. We can't ask players or coaches some questions here on Zoom to get some of our questions answered. But we're trying our best. I wish we can be at training camp. Like right now, it's like usually I'm living at Nick's house and we're going, we're waking up at the crack acid dawn and we're driving to Bourbon A and we're doing a live show right there on the campus and then we head back and we're supposed to get some king crab here and it's just not the year that we thought about, but it's okay. And I'm glad that you're sticking with us. You're rolling here. But of course, when we all get to game time and we're all doing our post game shows and our game previews, like I'm really excited to get to that point here. And we're only about a month and a couple weeks away from that. So Hang in there. We can all do this together. Again, it's going to be a really dark August, but get what you can. Get the information you can. Just stay engaged, stay interested, and the season will be here before you know it. Just like when we do Countdown to Camp. It, we do started in May, started the first week of June, and it feels like it's so long away, and we can push some of these episodes off, and then you're doing three positions in like three days. So it just happens really fast. But thank you all for tuning in. Uh, appreciate uh, everyone around the world for giving the show a listen, whether it's on a, a podcast player of your choice uh, here on YouTube or just, uh, again, anywhere in the world. If you're listening to us, we really do appreciate you. If you want to support the show, again, you can leave a small $5 donation on Venmo at the Chicago Audible. You'll see our logo as well as Nicholas Moriano's name uh, on PayPal. It's chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And if you don't have any monetary ways of supporting the show, of course, we more than understand, and that's no problem at all. And if you've already reviewed our show, tell a friend. And if you haven't reviewed our show on Apple Podcasts yet, doing so is the second best way to help support our show, and we would appreciate a review. That's going to do it. Uh, you'll hear from us here, I'm expecting, within another week, uh, depending on how big of news trickles out of Hallis Hall again, that so we can continue to recap, making sure that you're not missing any of the most important details that the Bears do allow the public to know. And we'll just keep playing it by ear, which is the 2020 motto. So have a good rest of your week, and it is a weekend now, and bear down, Chicago. Bear down.